Hello, friends and listeners, and welcome back to the Zillennial Experience Podcast Show. So before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for all of you who have left amazing feedback and comments and sent us all these positive messages, just saying how much you enjoyed listening to our first two episodes. We really appreciate that. You know, we wouldn't be doing this without you guys. So thank you, and I hope you guys continue to support us. We will continue to put out awesome content. So today's episode is a really exciting one. This is episode three, and today I have guest Umber, who's a friend of mine from high school. We've been friends for the last decade or so, and we talk about a variety of issues. Umber's also from the South Asian community. She's also a content creator like myself, who's also using her platform to promote activism. So we talk about navigating social media, expectations placed on us being, you know, from our communities, um, growing up in an area, you know, growing up in Alberta, Canada as minorities and trying to trying to shape our identity, dealing with mental health issues, um, dealing with um, a lot of different kind of stereotypes that were placed on us. And really, we talk about the importance of not caring so much of how people perceive you and we give a lot of good advice you know uh, umbers were very well spoken so you guys are really going to enjoy this episode it's going to be split into episode three and four so stay tuned till the end and without further ado let's get straight into the show guys welcome back to the zillennial podcast today i'm um honored to have our special guest here umber umber you're kind of like tiktok famous now so this is a big deal <laughs> i wouldn't call myself tiktok famous uh but i am definitely trying to make a name for myself on social media so i'm glad you noticed you know what i love though i can really see you're trying to use your platform for like sending positive messages especially for younger girls and like, yeah. you know, minorities, especially being from the South Asian community as well. So I appreciate you for that. And that's definitely my goal. I, I, I feel like my purpose is I had no role models growing up that I could look up to other than maybe Lily Singh, if you know who she is. Mm -hmm. um, but that's more like comedy. And there was nothing there was nothing regarding activism or anything about um, like how to navigate being bicultural and growing up in north america with immigrant parents i didn't really have anyone to look up to and it made life a lot harder for me especially growing up with like only white friends and so i thought well instead of complaining about it why don't i be the change that i want to see and so my sister and i uh we created a youtube channel and we just sit down and talk about everything that is really important to us such as like uh interracial relationships toxic monogamy um, how to talk to your family about the Black Lives Matter movement, modesty culture, everything that has to do with like um, how it was growing up in Alberta. And you know what? That's interesting. You bring up the point of being, you know, growing up in Alberta because both of us, you know, we did grow up in a very conservative province. And I don't see many people from where we grew up really doing what we're doing trying to trying no, to no, really no. put themselves on social media and even if they do not really talking about these issues right like, yeah exactly it's like they'll get big off of like being very attractive or something where there's nothing wrong with that but it's just nothing that i can relate to yeah and that's the thing for me 
I don't even think I would be this type of person trying to put myself out there if I hadn't gone to Toronto, right? And really right. rubbed shoulders with a lot of, you know, like-minded people. And I just want to ask you, like, what it, what was it for you? Because you were in Edmonton the whole time. How did you kind yeah. of get into this? Like, were you thinking about it for a while? or I have been thinking about it since I was in grade, like, six. I have always, always not really agreed with the way that society thinks when it comes to I don't anything like the biggest thing for me what I had recognized was that I was treated differently because I was a girl when I was younger and I started recognizing that like my guy friends or my male cousins could do things that I couldn't and that kind of just lit a fire under my ass because I I just once you recognize it it's everywhere and then you tie that in with um, being brown and being South Asian and now you deal with racism and you deal with sexism. So when you deal with it on a daily basis, it's, I feel like you don't really have a choice whether you can care about it or not. You, you have to care because you notice how differently your white friends get treated. Yeah. And yeah. I think well, just to specify, you're from Pakistan, correct? That's your... Heritage? Yeah. So my parents are from Pakistan yeah. and we, me and my siblings were born and raised in Canada. I just realized I said Pakistan in the most Caucasian way. Pakistan. Pakistan. Yeah, Paki. <laughs> Have you been called a Paki before? Like, oh yeah, I have. See, I don't think it's an offensive term as long as you're not putting something offensive in front of it. Like, you know, like stupid Paki is very offensive, but I mean, growing up, someone would ask me what I am. I still remember this story. Uh, my friend asked me what I am and I said, oh, I'm Paki. And my white teacher started yelling at me in front of the whole class wow. and was like, Umber, don't say that word. And I was like, but that's where I'm from. Like, that's, I don't get it. And he was like, no, it's a really derogatory, offensive term. It's a slur. You can't ever say that. And so I grew up like very scared of the word. And then, you know, now I'm finally in my 20s and I'm like, what an idiot. Like, I am allowed to use that word. I'm from Pakistan. I can say Paki. So I'm from Nepali and it ends with an I as well, but it's not nearly as derogatory, I guess. Yeah, I wonder why. I don't know actually why. Like, if you say I'm Nepali, it's not considered offensive. I have no idea. But why I've been called Paki too. I've been called you filthy Paki. I've been called the N-word one time, Umber. This oh my shows gosh, how same. conservative Edmonton can be. I was... um. I think it was the year I moved here and I was about 12 because I was living abroad before then. And there was a white kid. He was no more than seven years old. And I was just playing at the park and he said, get off the court, you effing N-word, right? And I what? I didn't know what else to say. I laughed. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. That's, that's all we can do in those situations. Right? But I almost started feeling bad for the kid because I'm like, he's seven. There's no way he right. learned that on his own. What is he learning at home? He's just spitting out exactly what his parents have said. Exactly. You know, like they know nothing at that age. I've gotten called the, uh, like sand N-word. Yeah. Like it's like the, yeah, anyway, so stupid. This this town can be, this province can be a lot to deal with. It can be suffocating at times. And I don't so I'm really glad that you got out and went to Toronto. No, 100%. And I'll be honest, there's very open-minded and people that are willing to have conversation, like those type of people in Alberta, there's close oh, yeah. people yeah. in Toronto. But if you, totally. you know, not to generalize, but overall, like if you look at from, from a larger, broader perspective, right? Well, and, even if you just look at the political parties, we're a conservative province. Like what are most people going to agree with, right? That's what most people voted for. So exactly. It's yeah. So anyway, we kind of got sidetracked because I'm really excited to ask you about TikTok. 
You know, TikTok's <laughs> okay. been crazy. It's been blowing up in the last 12 months. Like yeah. you see it all the time. It's it's relatable. It's funny. I yeah. wouldn't know like because it kind of happened to me where I kind of treated the app as like something for kids, and then now I'm. Oh yeah. You know, it's really fun. So what what's your journey through the whole step to where you are now? Uh, so basically, I started TikTok as well a joke. Like I just got it because I just heard it was the next new thing. Um, I listened to Gary Vee a lot. And he would talk about TikTok and how it's so powerful. And I didn't really think much of it because it's not easy to grow on social media. So I didn't get on to grow a following at all. I went on to laugh at videos. And I noticed that most of it was just like comedy and dances and stuff like that. So I just started making funny videos. Like if <laughs> you go and you see some of my first videos, it was just entirely to um, harness my goofy side. I don't really post that on other platforms. So I was like, you know what, this is fun. Like I can bring out comedy in TikTok. It's like my creative outlet. And then eventually I started to, I started realizing, I started seeing videos of people talking about important topics. And I was like, oh, this is, this is not just comedy and dances. You can do anything on TikTok. It's complete freedom on there. And so I started just talking to the camera about like, the things I think in my opinions and the first video of mine that went viral was where um, as a brown woman I feel as though sometimes racism is taken more seriously than sexism and I find that men of color in my life are often very very again they're very anti-racist but they'll make sexist comments all the time and so it's like frustrating for me and so my very first uh, video that went viral was me just talking to the camera no makeup, just being straight up and saying, have you guys ever noticed how like this is always taken more seriously and sexist jokes are laughed at and racist jokes are always considered not okay. And I started recognizing that there, there was a space for me to voice the concerns I have with society. There was room for it. And I got a lot of, you know, support and hate, but the support was so overwhelming that I thought I'm just going to try to make more of these. And so I started bringing every aspect of myself to TikTok. I stopped worrying about being one dimensional because I think as humans, we tend to focus on one quality of ours or characteristic of ours and we forget the rest of it. So like comedians think they always have to be funny or dancers think they always have to dance. And I realized that TikTok is kind of just like a big smorgasbord of everything that makes you you. And so I bring, you know, my skits, I bring my comedy skits, I bring serious topics, I joke about serious topics, I talk about, um, what else do I talk about? Like growing up hating my culture, uh, growing up dealing with sexism, growing up with, or not growing up, but being in an interracial relationship, like anything like that, that makes me me is what I discuss. And I always get feedback and support from strangers across the world. So it's been amazing. That's incredible. I think that's the thing though, right? You kind of enter it because I feel like if you started making those videos from the beginning, from the get-go, you might not have enough of a following to even get those videos out there. And right. the fact is, you've almost carved out this carved out this own niche of yours, where right. I don't see many people like you making those types of videos, right? And right. And I remember you had another video that really blew up. I think you had like what some was it? celebrities, like. Oh yeah, comments. yeah, the body the body image one. Yeah, I made a video about um there was this trend going around on TikTok about uh only women would do this. Girls and women would turn around and they would check their back profile and see like 
their uh, their back to hip to waist ratio and they basically wanted to look like you know Kim K or whatever and if they turned around and they saw their body looking in a way they didn't like they would start crying and then everyone would start commenting I'm not going to do this trend because I would just you know want to die or I would just cry or just the most like unhealthy comments about body image and so I did like a fake like um back profile check and like turned around halfway and then was like fuck this shit why are we doing this why is this a trend absolutely not (laughs) yeah you see the thing Um, is i like that you're you're using tiktok to spread positivity but there's also a very dark and toxic side of tiktok because if you look at the demographic right you you're right there's all of the a lot of these challenges where there was one where like testing if your face is symmetrical there's like the body proportion and Mm -hmm. you think about the target or like the majority of users might be you know take a 15 year old girl she sees that how is it going to shape her expectations for beauty standards she's going to feel like if she doesn't meet that she's not good enough and then you're sending that message to that young lady and it's just it's shaping her, her identity and it's it's really bad right Exactly. And the thing is, like, growing up, I feel like because we grew up in kind of like a when the body positivity movement started and it was really focused on loving every part of your body. So it was like, oh, like, love the way, you know, your face looks and your stomach looks and your body and everything in between. And that was hard for me because I didn't grow up with the body that was considered attractive in society. And so what I now preach is instead of body positivity is I want young girls to learn body neutrality, which is just simply appreciating your body for what it can do for you. And the fact that it gets you up every morning and your heart never stops beating. And you know what I mean? Like it can, your body can climb mountains, like appreciate your legs and your stomach and your body for what it can do instead of focusing on how it looks from the back or how your nose looks from the side or your jawline or your face. Like we focus on such trivial details that have absolutely nothing to do with who we are. And we teach, and then we, and then we wonder why girls and women care so much about what they look like. Absolutely. And it's like, well, it's not really their fault. We tell them to, and and we hype up glow ups so much. And I've been guilty of this, by the way. Like I've posted a glow up video of me when I was a teen, and me now. And I think it's such BS because now we see fifteen year old girls looking like they're twenty five. It's because we don't let them be kids. We get them to focus on such stupid bullshit, like. Oh, how does your waist and your hips look and all this stupid, like, it's just pointless. So, and I think, Umber, this all ties back to, I can see you've kind of matured to the point where you've stopped caring about what people think. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm in that safe boat as well. And for me, I think part of that was just realizing that you're never going to win, you know, everyone over. Exactly. And at one point, it's like human nature, right? Like if you look mm-hmm. at psychology on an average day, if you receive 10 compliments and one insult, we're just yep. prone to focus on that negativity and you just have to stop. Exactly. Point, yeah. You gotta be like, there's a lot of people, like you were talking about that post, uh, overwhelming support. Let me focus yep. on yep. that. Exactly, yeah. There's- and also yeah, just, you know, seeing those people who leave negative comments Um, just viewing it with empathy and and understanding. And this is what's so great about being in psychology and understanding people is that when, like, think about when you have the best day of your life, you know, you have, you wake up and you, whatever it is that like is your best day and you go for a run and you have your coffee and you have the best breakfast. When you go online, are you wanting to 
insult, destroy, and tear down other people. No, when we have good days, I, at least I've noticed with myself, when I have good days, I'm like spreading love. Like I, I want to comment just positive things and hyping people up. Like that's how I feel when I have my good days. Um, so those people that leave those horrible comments, it's like they must be having the worst day or worst week or worst year or worst life. Like they must be so miserable and so so like unfulfilled with their lives that this is where they get some sort of satisfaction you know it's like instead of hating them let's just view it with like i'm so sorry that your life is that way like i hope you find fulfillment and peace one day because you're clearly lacking it that's how i view it that's how i've been able to get over it i refuse to believe that someone that's going through all that positive energy or radiating um mm -hmm. positivity is going to be negative you're absolutely right like it does. oh my god it's impossible it comes from a dark place so you yeah. really do have to put yourself in other people's shoes yeah and that's the best way to respond to it yeah it's like for me a small example i, I try and meditate like not regularly mm. but once in a while and i realize it's helped me with things like even when i'm driving so when i'm in toronto when i was in toronto traffic is brutal right and mm -hmm. it's so easy to succumb to road rage because there's some really bad drivers. But it's yeah. like, I'm like, you know what? That person probably had a long day as well. They're literally yeah. like going yeah. to work, coming back home. We all have this crazy commute. They just want to get home to their family as much as I am. By me, like getting mad or honking or being aggressive, is that going to help either of them? Oh, no, exactly. And not only that, but like, I'm not blind to how I've sucked as a driver sometimes. Like, I'm a shitty driver sometimes. Like, I'll accidentally go too slow or too fast or whatever, or like accidentally cut someone off. That's happened before. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry and waving at them. But like when they treat me with kindness and they're like, you know, it's fine. It's so much better than when they're honking aggressively, like getting angry at you. It's like, we all make mistakes. We all are in rushes sometimes. And it's just like, there's absolutely no point getting angry at someone when you don't know what their day's like, or maybe they're rushing home because, you know, I don't know, their kid's in trouble. It's like, we just, we don't know their story. So just go at it with love. I know that sounds kind of, basic but harder you know easily said than done sometimes yeah yeah it's just reminding yourself right or even yeah. your friends or i think you know you said talking about psychology i think having this knowledge it's our responsibility to spread it exactly it's yeah. like yeah. someone told me this term you know we're south asian um i know especially my parents they have some biases based on their environment of upbringing so it's mm -hmm. like this concept of parenting your parents and sometimes you have to educate them on things right yeah and you got to just be very patient and not see them as just evil human beings like don't get me wrong there can be some parents that i mean a lot of parents shouldn't have been parents um but when it comes to my mom the thing that i've the only thing that's worked is um trying to see it from her perspective and understanding that she doesn't like, I don't know how to explain this, but it's like she lived such a different life and she didn't have the privilege that we have in North America to sit down and analyze why we do things. Like we exactly. have so much privilege here. We have all this time where we can we can actually like think about why we have to do certain things. Whereas in their country, it was just kind of like, like she had nine brothers and sisters. You think she wow. had any time for herself? It was all about like raise your younger siblings, help your parents, and as a woman, figure out how to cook and clean so you can find a husband one day. That's what she was focusing on. I'm focusing on my career, how to help other people. Like I have so much time and so much energy to put other places other than, you know, raising a family. So we are so much more privileged. 
like 100%. we're able to have like we have so many tools at our disposal yeah the internet youtube you know tiktok whatever you want to think about and then that can help us gain self-awareness right a lot of times exactly. back home people are just thrown into their lives and responsibilities and you're right nine people is insane like yeah my mom had four other siblings and she kind of describes the same thing how she was kind of thrown into things and didn't really mm -hmm. get to do some of the things she really wanted to. And she's oh my God, so many immigrant mothers have the same story because they were taught to do one thing, which is find a husband that makes good money and can provide for you. It's so sad. And it's so sad. And like some people, I've heard some of my friends um, from the Desi community say stuff like, oh, my mom just doesn't really have much, have many goals. And like, she's just kind of boring. And I'm like, well, well, maybe it's because she never actually got the time to focus on herself. And there was no concept of, as a woman, it's like, we, we are told that we get our value from providing for others. So like, when you are younger, it's like, through the sister or the daughter that you are, and are you, you know, are you um really just like your reflection of your family growing up? That's why I always felt responsible for like, how my va my family was seen by the world and so then you grow up and then you're you know pressured to become a mother and then your value comes from how you are as a mother whereas men get to dive into who they are and what brings them like happiness you know and don't get me wrong like men deal with their shit too they have to focus on making money even if they hate the job but they still have more time to focus on themselves and what their career is going to be whereas women just don't have that it's like they live to serve and exactly exactly example. so my mom growing up she was really good at math right yeah she was like one of the top 20 in the whole country during like exams and she wanted to pursue something in that line possibly wow. engineering or physics but um her dad really wanted her to study medicine because he thought being an engineer was a man's profession mm. and it was going to diminish her chances of finding a suitable partner. Oh right? my and gosh. so it's like that closed-minded yeah. attitude. Yeah. And so, like I, yeah. I, my mom doesn't give a crap if I'm with a guy or not. Like I got, when I was getting marriage offers at like 20, she was like, nope, she's not ready. She hasn't finished school yet. Like she's always put education first because she knows that without hers, she was kind of left on her ass when she became a single mom. Like it's a really, you know what I mean? We have to make sure our daughters and our sisters and our mothers are focusing on themselves because to depend on one person is not safe for them. There's so many things that could happen. God forbid something happens to your son or your father or your husband and suddenly you have nothing. Like where are you supposed to survive from, right? Yeah. So, you know, having that, privilege growing up here we're able to even have these discussions right like exactly and honestly for me especially recently i've i've just had more time i think we all have with this pandemic just to kind of just be on our own you know you know yep. um, think about things about how the world works like how has yeah. it been for you like have you had any crazy realizations about life recently since the quarantine Oh, yeah. You know, I feel kind of bad because um, I, I know a lot. Of, this is a really, really tough time for a lot of people. And so I don't speak about this often, but it has been really great for me personally, because I have had a lot of time to 
focused on myself. And before lockdown, it was, I didn't realize how much I focused on my friendships and my relationships and the people around me. I was so focused on what they were doing. And I was unknowingly just living a life of comparison all the time. So I was just, I was just paying attention to what people were doing online, what their lives were like, what they were posting. And I'd be trying to compare myself, which didn't leave much time for me to go within and say, hey, Umber, what actually brings you joy? Like, what is your purpose? What are you here for? What do you want to, what do you want to leave in the world when you pass on? Like I had, I never thought about that. And now that I'm get to just be at home all the time and just like relax, I put so much more time and energy into building myself and like figuring out how to move forward and keep progressing without looking behind you or ahead of you to see what others are doing. Because I think that, I think that comparison is the thief of joy, honestly. It ties back to not caring about what people think, right? Exactly. Yep. And so like, because before it would be like, I would get invites to go hang out with friends, then I would automatically go hang out with them. And then I would automatically be comparing our lives, like without even knowing, I'm not even trying, I'm just unconsciously like, hmm, they're doing more or less or whatever. And it just like, kind of made me feel insecure or just you know, it didn't add to my life at all. And so now I haven't been able to see anyone. So I'm like, I am forced to focus on myself. But I realized how much I was lacking that before. So it's been really nice. What have you, have you noticed anything about yourself or just about life in general? Definitely. So talking about forced hangouts, I felt like a lot of people, they would have a packed schedule. And because they're so busy running from one thing to the other, you know, you know, days pass, weeks pass, years pass, but they don't get that time for self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And now I've come to the point, like, I'm a very extroverted person. I think we both have extroverted personalities, but sometimes there's nothing better than just being at home alone. Like, I'll literally, you know, avoid hanging out with people that I don't want to yeah. for staying home. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think you have to always be around others, right? Yeah, exactly. I think like an introversion and extroversion is kind of tough for me because I don't know, like I have a theory that those labels don't even exist because I think that we all have bits and pieces of both. So it's interesting. I don't, I don't don't know if anyone's a full extrovert and a full introvert. I think we're all just really complex beings that have, you know, different qualities. I agree. Um, Me and my sister talked about this in a previous episode, like you look at politics, right? You look at Mm -hmm. how it's a spectrum. It's kind of the yes. same for being an introvert and introvert. It's not yeah. black and white. There's gray area. There's yeah. certain moments where you might feel like you want to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. It, it varies for sure. And I think like when people say, oh, well, I want to hang out with other people. It drains my energy. So I'm an introvert. And it's like, well, it depends on the people you're around. Exactly. If you're around people who, you know, have the same values and goals as you and you guys are like-minded it's probably going to energize you if you're around people who have no similar qualities and you have to work really hard to keep the conversation going you're going to be exhausted at the end of it so umber um like what did you take in school because you know since i left edmonton we haven't really caught up on that like i don't even know what you've been up to for the last five years I know. Um, yeah. So uh, initially, I was going to school for my my career goal has changed fifty times. I initially wanted to be a nurse right out of high school, 
and then I recognized I don't I don't actually want to do that and and I eventually went to optometry and I was like you know this this is like a this is a pretty easy job they make good money they say a or b one or two and like I worked at an optometry clinic it was great um and that was kind of like my set goal and then I went to a leadership conference um in Calgary actually and my entire life changed because I started realizing that I wasn't actually passionate about optometry and I don't actually care about eyes. And what I truly care about is activism and changing the world. And I care about social issues so much. And so my, I was in school, I'm in sciences and uh, my major was psych. And so what I was planning to do was four years of undergrad and four years of optometry school in the States. And then, um, the last two years, I have started to change my courses from like physics, biology, all of those horrible courses um, to things that I'm actually interested in. So like anthropology of racism and the sociology of gender and learning about the history of psychology and social psychology has been one of my favorite courses. And so it all overlaps with activism because you have to understand people in order to help people. You can't just go around um, very aggressive and opinionated with your thoughts you have to truly understand where they're coming from otherwise you won't get anywhere yeah you have to understand the like the actual forefront of the root right the root issues yep Yep. so i learned about like a few things that stuck out to me uh i learned about something called naive realism i don't know if you know what that is no so it's where we're just completely unable to see our own bias So we think that the way we see the world is just the way it is. And we forget that we all have completely independent thoughts and feelings about we can like we can all go through the exact same situation and see it completely differently, take different things from it. We don't all um, see the world the same way. And we grow up thinking if someone thinks differently, then they're just an idiot. Or if someone disagrees with you, then they're just, you know, ignorant they have incorrect information, they're lazy, they're irrational, we, we tend to think the worst of them instead of or, or we think they're really biased, instead of understanding that maybe they just see the world differently because they had different experiences and different circumstances. I think it's so important to have those open dialogue discussions, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of days now, in my experience, we're so quick to just jump to conclusions yeah. based on that bias. You the t- world is becoming so polarized. It's At least that's how polarized. I feel. I don't know. It's extremely know. polarized. And yeah. we're so quick to cancel someone just because exactly. there's one thing that they say that you yeah. don't agree with, right? Like, yeah. I'll give you an example. I listen to Gary Vee. Mm. He says something sometimes that I don't completely agree with. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that makes him a shitty human being. And I can't exactly. you know, listen to all his valid points and still follow the guidance there. Yeah, like, you take what you can get and you just ignore the stuff you don't agree with. It's different if they're hurting people. And there's certain things, there's a limit. Like, yes. There's certain things if someone says maybe they deserve to be canceled. I mean, you know, like rape, murder, racism. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But mm-hmm. on a general sense, like for myself, I have friends that are liberal. I have friends that are conservative. But the people yes. that I do have on both spectrum they are willing to open up and admit that mm-hmm. either of their parties are not perfect right like, exactly they're not innocent and they choose to maybe believe 70 percent of it but they're still going to support them for the most part 
And also like not associating people with the political party is really important because even if someone is liberal, that doesn't mean that they necessarily agree with every single thing that the liberal party is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we just vote in order to get rid of the worst candidate, which is so stupid. I know. I wish we could just vote for who we wanted to, but we often have to cancel out a certain party in order to not have like a Trump 2.0. You know what I mean? So like even in the states right now, they don't have great choices, but they're going to have to pick the lesser of two evils. And it's like bullshit, but sometimes we have to recognize that even if someone voted someone that you don't agree with, that doesn't mean they align with every single belief of that party. Exactly. If that was the case where we actually got we wouldn't, there'd be hundreds of parties, right? And Exactly. But yeah, right now, it's a world that's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably like shit man it's like the thing is like it's sensitive but the thing that i try to do is like if i don't deal with something i try to not tell people how to feel about it you know exactly like i just i i don't have disabilities i don't deal with um what's something else i don't deal with i don't know i i'm not black i'm not, I'm not gonna tell a black person how to feel about racism i'm not gonna tell a person with disabilities how to feel about let's say they're not being wheelchair access somewhere. I simply listen. I shut up and I listen. You can, Even if you have an opinion on it, it's like you don't get to tell them how to feel. So instead of saying, you know, I think we're all just a bunch of crybabies and snowflakes. I'm like, okay, well, what what are they asking for? Is it really that hard to do? Is it really that hard to not say maybe a certain word? You know, like maybe the R word is offensive. When I was younger, I was like, that's stupid. That's that's not, that's fine to say. And now I'm like, well, it's actually not that hard to wipe from my vocabulary. If it offends some people, like who cares? You know, like it's just, it's not that big a deal to try and change a couple things in your life. And I think people make it bigger than it is. Like, oh my God, what do they want next? Like, right. <laughs> they think it's going to chaos. I think the world's going to shit because someone wants them to call them them or they, you know what I mean? Like, it's so simple. Just not that hard get over it there's a lot bigger things to worry about there's bigger fish to fry exactly yeah and i think like another thing i learned was um about something and i've been guilty of this by the way so everything i'm speaking on i have done in the past and i have learned and i think the biggest thing is once you know better you do better and so something we learned about in class was the conflict spiral and so like what i used to think is let's say for conservatives i used to think like they're so close-minded that i can't even talk to them and so i I would go at an argument with conflicts in in my mind instead of cooperation. So I would think they're so close-minded. I can't believe they're even supporting this policy. And then they would, and then I would think like, I'm not even going to talk to them because they're so close-minded. And then what they think is, oh my God, this person is so close-minded. They won't even talk to me. What an extremist. And so we go in this cycle, (laughs) this spiral of their extreme. No, you're extreme. No, you're biased. No, you're biased. And we're not even seeing how we contribute to that. And like, we just pin them as this evil person. And we're responsible for giving people the time of day to speak and listen to what they have to say. I think that's so important, going into an interaction with an individual with an open mind. Like it's part of basic conflict resolution, right? Yeah. You do have to be willing to listen. And sometimes people aren't. And you have to realize there are going to be cases where you're not going to change someone. No mm-hmm. matter what exactly. you do, yeah. you're not going to... I think you have to pick and choose your battles. You do. Yeah. So this ties into, for me, like, when I have a group of friends or even, you know, I have a YouTube channel, 
Yes. I post videos and ask people genuinely, let me know what you guys think. I'd appreciate feedback. And mm. I don't know about you, Amber, but like 99% of it from my friends is overwhelmingly positive. And I yep, love that. Yep. But I'm like, guys, it's okay. Like if there's a segment somewhere in there that you think that could be done better. And I do have like one or two friends that yep. will give me that. Like the audio might've been better or you could have tackled this this way or maybe asking this question. And I love that, right? Because to me, it's like constructive criticism is so key. Yeah. So yeah. How, how about you? Like, have you experienced that? Um, yes, definitely. It's overwhelmingly positive. Um, of course, I get some hate from random strangers, but regarding uh, my friends and my circle, it's been very positive. Um, and I think that when it comes to criticism, I think it's important to ask people before you just give them your opinion. Because we do, like you said, live in a sensitive world. Understandably. I mean, someone works their butt off on something for a week and you come in with your two cents when they didn't even ask for it. And so like like my family, for example, will straight up tell me without me asking because they just know that I like constructive criticism. So they'll tell me what they think of the video. But when it comes to just like friends, I feel like it's important to be like, can I give you advice on how to make it better? Mm. And then see what they say. Because like some people actually don't want advice. Some people are like, no, I worked my butt off and I love it and I don't really care. And some people like me are like, give me everything you think. I want to know exactly how to improve. So everyone's different. I think it's just important to ask them. You have beforehand. to gauge it, right? And if you're getting yeah. feedback, it better come from a place of like genuine like helpfulness. Like you want them to improve. Cause yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't trash their whole, you know, video or podcast or whatever. Cause right. When you put out a product, like that's a bit of your soul. Like that's a bit of you that you're putting out into the world. And, and the think... worst part is if you're not a content creator, it's like, be careful of what you're saying, because why are you speaking from a place of never doing this before? That's what I see all the time. Right. <laughs> it's like, thank you, but you're in no position to make those assumptions, yeah. especially like, when yeah. they're just, hate hateful for the exactly yeah like for like from you chandon for example i want criticism from you because you're doing the same thing as me right like i think feeding off of each other is such a good idea but when it comes to someone who's never done this before i'm like do you know how hard this is <laughs> do you know how hard it is to come up with like content and pieces and then advertise it and make sure so it's like there's so many struggles that come with creating a platform and so i want feedback from people who also have a platform well it's terrifying right i know people oh my that gosh, yeah. are afraid to put up a snapchat story that are that's just gonna be seen within their 100 followers for 24 hours wait why like what reason just because they i don't know that they do something and it's funny but they're like nah and they're ah. terrified of that and i'm like think about like myself and other contract creators you're putting something on YouTube, potentially seen by everyone. <laughs> yeah. You're really making yourself vulnerable. Oh, yeah. You got to have a tough skin, you man. Do. Like you, you got to have thick skin where even compliments and insults just kind of roll off your butt. Like you don't even think about them. You're like, you know, thank you, but I'm going to keep pushing forward anyway. Like it's it's actually very scary. So the first time um, my video went viral on TikTok, I've had like a few now, like four or five go viral. How but many the first time, do they have on uh, look at like 2.6 million, something wow. like that. Yeah. Um, so the first time it went viral, I was 
I, I can't even explain to you. Like I was shaking. I was so scared because I was just talking to the camera. I didn't think much of it. I was like, I'm going to put an opinion out there. Got so much traction. And of course, you, you know, the hate is rolling in and I was shaking. And for the whole day, I was just reading comments, reading comments, reading comments. And it was now, you know, a video goes viral and I get the comments rolling and I just scroll through them. I'm like, okay, okay. So you do, I mean, it takes time to build that. But at that time, I was ready to delete my TikTok account. I swear to God, I was like, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. I thought I wanted exposure. I don't want exposure. This is terrifying. Um, and so I feel like that fear is when you're growing. So when you feel that uncomfortable, like, oh my God, yes. like two million people saw this and they know who I am. Like, um, it's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's not going to be smooth sailing the whole time. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel insecure. You're going to feel very scared and you have to push through it and, you know, believe in what you're doing. If you truly believe in what you're saying and what you're doing, it doesn't really matter how many people see it. As long as what you're doing isn't hurting other people. It's like, get your your value you're you are valuable and you need to get what you can provide out there so don't like underestimate yourself you know that's so crazy because there's that quote like success is found at the end of your comfort zone right yeah and it, and it ties back to this but even for me i didn't go nearly as viral as that but when i started posting videos and then it, i saw a lot of people circulating it and mm -hmm. and there was like a news publishing company in nepal that like fe wanted to feature an article about me and they called me and they published it because yeah. i was wow. trying to promote nepal and yeah. i was like it's funny right you produce a product you want it to do well and then it goes beyond your expectations and it's terrifying <laughs> yeah. and i don't know why that is but you're right yeah, yeah. i think feeling uncomfortable is extremely necessary yeah, and I think it, it has to do with imposter syndrome, if you've ever heard of yes, that term, um, that. where you just like when you do get bigger and you do, quote unquote, make it, you suddenly you feel like you don't deserve to be there. Like, I kid you not, I do not feel like I deserve to be where I'm at on TikTok or the followers that I have. Like, I'm like, I don't understand how any of you like me or want to hear what I have to say. Um, thankfully, that only happens a little bit, like once in a while i'm like oh this i don't even deserve this platform i don't know why anyone likes me and then other times i'm like no i have something to say i have experiences i should get it out there so like making sure that you know it's temporary those insecure thoughts are always going to be there it doesn't just disappear but getting through them each time and knowing that like no i'm valid i deserve to be here you know like just shutting up that insecure voice inside your head i felt the same exact feeling i think mm -hmm. To me, I've watched some interviews, read some biographies from celebrities, and a lot of people talk about feeling that. But mm. I think I'd I'd much rather feel a little bit of imposter syndrome time to time than just be so drowned in my ego. And mm. I think it makes you have a bit of humility and humbleness. It's right. like acknowledging, wow, I do have a voice. I do have a platform. Do I yeah, really deserve yeah. this? But then looking at your TikTok in general, I see a lot of people in TikTok, 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 <laughs> TikTok. It's okay. I used to call it that too. TikTok. Okay. Yeah. What? I see a lot of people on TikTok and they're literally posting videos, just dancing or like, yeah. not even like actually dancing, dancing, like super talented. They're literally in the room, not <laughs> yeah. doing much. Doing the woe and clapping. And right. Shit. Yeah doing the least literally yeah, the least amount of effort and they're like huge right 
Yeah, like 7 million followers. And that's the thing. It's all about timing, right? Like they they took off because they started when TikTok was brand new. They didn't care about what people thought. They were just like, this app seems funny and cool. And they just started making like videos. And now, six years later, it's exploding. It's becoming the biggest app ever. And now they have 7 million versus people who are starting today only have like, I don't know, like 200 followers. It's much harder to grow. And the reason that they're there is because they stopped caring about what people thought at whatever age, which like, I'm so envious of like, if you stopped caring about what people thought at 15 and you just started like making cringy videos in your room and now you have 7 million followers and you're making money, like you're making bank. I'm so envious that you tackled those demons way before I did. So that, I'm in my twenties and I'm finally realizing to stop caring. And that's another thing. Even the people that seem to be doing that much, they are making themselves vulnerable. They do experience hate and they're still doing it, you know, and you got to respect that at one point. And for me, when I first found out about TikTok, I thought it was just like a teenager kind of a yeah. joke yeah. thing. And then you kind of start going on it. And there's a lot of funny content, but I've also yeah. found a lot of educational, like in exactly. terms of personal finance or in terms of like photography or in terms of psychology or activism there's everything like there's like cooking tips like i know how to cut an onion properly now because of tiktok oh i know a lot of those little <laughs> hacks yeah so many hacks like there's a productivity hack i just saw i saved the video i'm gonna download these um sheets that she was talking about like there it has helped my life so much it's just like an amazing creative outlet you know or i don't think instagram and facebook give you that at all i'll tell you why i think tiktok's become so popular and then i'll ask you for me, okay. it's like if you compare TikTok to other social media platforms, it's like the one platform where you don't really get to select the content you see. I mean, I know you can follow people, but that for you page, it kind of just gives you content, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're much more likely to accidentally stumble on accidentally stumble on the things. Yes. And then the second thing is I feel like in this generation Okay, I'm going to say that again. It's double loop. In this generation, our attention spans are so little that like yep. it's the perfect bite-sized clip where yeah. you give that information, you absorb it, and you can rewatch it. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's really quick, easy, convenient. I think it's ruined my focus, honestly. I have no, like I can't focus for more than a minute now. If I see something that's like, half an hour long i'm like absolutely not <laughs> which is horrible because that's not like when it comes to youtubers I don't, I don't even watch youtubers but i am a youtuber which is funny um but when i see the really really long videos like you have to be the most interesting person in the world for me to stay sitting for 30 minutes and watch you you know well that's the thing right even this podcast if people do listen all the way through kudos to you oh amazing yeah because that's but then again, it's different because even for me, I might not sit through a super long YouTube video. Yeah. But I will. But you would to listen to a podcast. podcast. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like the where and when. It's very easy to like cook and listen, drive and listen. I love listening to podcasts yeah. on my drive. Like that's one of my, like during my commute to and from work. Yes. Especially if it's helpful. That's the biggest thing. Like sometimes I don't want to learn the most about personal lives but like for like Gary Vee for example I like listening to him because he always has tips he always is helping 
um, his listeners with like something they're struggling with. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I'll sit here for an hour and listen to that. I literally have times where I listen to a podcast and I'll go into work that day and I'll be like refreshed. Like I'll, I'll be looking forward to trying out yeah. little tips and tricks or yeah different ways to interact with people. So to me, it's like, it's almost like having a conversation to sit down with really intellectual people and yes. you get to absorb some of their way of thinking. Right? So is that why you started your own podcast to like, talk to your sister first of all um and connect but then also to like have interesting individuals on your podcast or what was the reason you started so honestly i mean elephant in the room my sister's not here today um mm -hmm. i wanted to allow just time for us to have like a dialogue but when i started this podcast with my sister you know we don't live together in the same city so yeah. it just allows us to have that weekly bi-weekly commitment where we have to sit down and have discussions yeah but then it's also an opportunity to bring in guests like friends of ours that we think have you know meaningful things to say and yeah. it's just like if other people want to vibe with us and tune in and they can learn something just like i do with other podcasts then yes. you know that's the best i can hope for right and yeah. it's exciting because i've got excellent feedback and you know i i see people are kind of finding value in it so that's mm -hmm. the most rewarding thing, right? Yeah, yeah. What about yourself? You've started a podcast recently. I guess you're taking the format of also having that YouTube content available. Yeah. Um, so my sister and I make YouTube videos. And then everyone was saying, I'm not much of a YouTuber. Well, not everyone. Some people are saying, I'm not much of a YouTuber. Like, can you be on podcasts? And we were struggling because we're like, well... You know, we got a camera so that we could start a YouTube channel so that people can put like a face to a voice. Uh, but a lot of people are like, I like to drive and listen. So I was thinking the only way I can really do that is to extract the audio and just upload it to podcasts. And so that's what I've done so far. And we've already had like over 100 downloads in like a couple days. So I'm like, that's oh, amazing. crap, like I've been missing out on podcasts the whole time. But it's kind of just like another way to access just more people and get our name out there even more for let's say younger people who are on podcasts but don't like youtube so well i think yeah. in today's world if you can take your content and spread it to as many kind of communication forms there's yes. value because not everyone's going to be on tiktok or youtube yeah. and the yeah. podcast format's really popular because it's like a long form open discussion yeah and i think you guys have potential to get pretty big because you know you're talking about these really relatable issues and thank you yeah i hope so i like i see joe rogan i don't know if you ever listen to him oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't listen to him often but um i've seen just his setup and he will have a camera on while he has the podcasting equipment going so we were thinking of maybe doing that as well um i don't know it's it's still in the works like we just started really so we're gonna figure out the best thing that works for us so it's interesting you mentioned that because i have another friend she's currently um on the process of becoming a lawyer she's in california and yeah. we are planning to start this new channel kind of in the joe rogan format as well where right. we are recording each other yeah. and we have the podcast but we also have the visual and yeah. then what you can do is if you've seen joe rogan he'll have that two three hour length podcast or youtube video yeah but there's also like let's say 
today me and you had a good discussion about psychology and it lasted 10 minutes cut that clip post it as a separate video yeah for people who are not able to listen to the whole thing and then it's like make it he does that or he does that oh i've never seen that they call it joe rogan experience clips like he has a separate youtube channel so that might be something you guys do as well Right. Yeah. To just, that's like the hardest part is like coming up with little pieces of content to put everywhere. Cause that's something that a lot of content creators say is like, you don't have to create content every single day, but what you should be doing is taking clips from whatever you're doing and posting them on all sorts of social media to just, you know, get as many views as possible that way. Cause I think what's so intimidating and why people don't try on social media is they're like, I don't have time to like every single day come up commitment. with it really yeah exactly so uh, what's helped me is like even let's say i record a tiktok then i'll just post that to instagram so it's like diversifying where you put your stuff in order to not feel like you're stressed out all the time of like oh i gotta make more i gotta make more right it doesn't have to be brand new content sometimes you can just restructure like i think for you you've got take down down now so just if you and your sister want to do that format of youtube i think it could be like because i think it could be really valuable it could be successful i noticed your first few days on youtube are more like a bit more structured Mm. Um, even with this podcast i wanted to make it slightly more casual of a dialogue and i think i would love to see your sister just be kind of having a dialogue that's more just natural Mm. because that allows you to like on the spot right like there's a lot of those conversations you can't plan out and then they start flowing once you're like 30 minutes into it yeah the thing that we always struggled with when we were creating youtubes is we're like who's gonna want to sit there for an hour um but then what's so funny is for podcasts people do like to sit there and not only that but like when it comes to youtube you always you have to get ready right i mean you don't have to but we prefer to and then when you're in podcasts you can sit there in your pajamas like i'm i'm literally in a onesie right now and i'm so comfortable and i don't have to care about what i look like and it's just great and like, I, would I would love, love to see you in your onesie on youtube <laughs> just casually you know what i'm gonna do that yeah or I mean, even if i like post about this podcast on instagram i'm gonna be wearing my onesie right <laughs> and, and the thing is i mean you can like do a little bit of makeup whatever but stay in that onesie like get in your comfort zone because i think Another thing I realized is when I try to be extremely structured or professional, yeah, you come across as less relatable. Yes. And yeah. a lot of people are just like chilling out at home. And yes. when yeah. they're, you know, listening to these things, like they want to, like when I see someone looking comfortable, it's like, I makes you comfortable. comfortable. Exactly. But I think what's also hard is like the topics that we talk about are not funny. You know, like they're very serious. So you, you can switch it up, though, right? We, we like, all, I often have to cut out like the parts where we're laughing our butts off because I'm like, oh my god, this is not okay. Like this video is not one where we can be doing that. And I understand, so, but this yeah. is what I'm saying, Umber. If you have a podcast, yeah, you don't need to define it. Like I completely understand some videos by adding laughter, you're diminishing the message. Yeah, but like for podcasts, it's like it's long enough. It flows. Or, yeah, well, you yeah. have parts of that, like. I think you can be an activist and you can also joke around and totally. Yeah. It's like, that's your personality. And 
you have to showcase it, right? I mean, for me, like humor is what got me through mm -hmm. so much of my trauma, like just finding laughter and everything that even for other people, they're like, oh, that's really serious and traumatic for me. And I'm like, for me, yeah, like it was, but now I laugh about it and I'm able to have that power with it and just be like, oh, like, that's funny that that's my life. And, you know, that's I just, it's, I want to be sensitive to certain people who are like, why are they laughing about something serious? But I do see what you're saying about the podcast world is like, it's really authentic because you can talk about something serious, laugh, go back to being serious, you know, like you don't have to, you get to showcase your personality more. And the success has been proven. I mean, Joe Rogan recently got a hundred million deal, like a hundred million dollar deal to exclusively post on Spotify. I saw that. What the hell? And, can you imagine? Oh and that's God. the thing though. You see his videos. I know he has a lot of these high caliber guests, but if you look at the format, the style, you're never mm -hmm. gonna find that on network television. Just mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes they're hanging out, they're smoking a cigar, they're having some drinks. And they're always like, I see them smoking weed, but like they'll keep it out of the camera sometimes because yeah. it's illegal. I'm like, that's so funny. Well, you got like Elon me. Musk to smoke. Yeah. Weed. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. So even for my podcast down the road, like having guests like yourself and other yeah. people, that's what my intention was. And, mm -hmm. and I'm generally having fun. Like this yes, almost yeah. feels like a conversation we would just be having, even if we weren't recording. Just exactly. That. It's, and that's yeah, it's what so I real. people enjoy. Mm -hmm. So Because we live in a world of um, perceived perfection. So like everything's a highlight reel, at least on Instagram and Facebook. It's, it's like we rarely get that authentic, vulnerable side, which is exactly where connection happens. And we, for some reason, hide it. And it's like, it's okay to just, you know, be yourself and talk about things that are completely real to you instead of pretending like we live in a fairy tale. So Umber, you're pretty active on social media, even Instagram. How much uh, of your, like more. how much of your like actual life do you think you show on Instagram? Like, oh my God, <laughs> like a, nothing, like a fraction. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm, that's something I'm not happy with. That's something I definitely want to change. Um, I'm very, I'm not happy with the fact that my Instagram does not reflect me. My TikTok reflects me very accurately. However, on Instagram, I have, I have fallen victim to the idea that we have to be perfect. I think that's so, why TikTok's been a lot more popular recently is because yeah. you can be goofy. Yeah. And yeah. you can kind of showcase that personality. Instagram's more visual focused. It always has. Been, yes. Right? Yeah. It started with the filters and that kind of describes the app. Like mm. a lot of things are a filter. Like for me, I, you know, I've been told, wow, Chandu, like when I talk to you, you come across a lot more friendly than your Instagram shows. Like you're not um, smiling much. You're always posting yeah. fashion pics. Yeah. Are you yeah. just some fuck boy that's like obsessed yeah. with himself? I'm like, <laughs> I happen to like fashion and taking nice pics and I yeah. like aesthetic posts. But yeah. if you want to feel that way, in a way, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's maybe what I've put out, but I'm on the opposite. You say you want a lot of people to know I'm fine with them making assumptions because oh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, you have to get to know me to understand yeah. my awesome personality. <laughs> that makes sense. Like I, so I, that landmark um, seminar that I was talking about. So I went to the advanced course in LA. And so I met a lot of people there. Wait, and Umber, can you yeah. rewind that? You were talking about um, the mic kind of moved. Oh, sorry. I like turned away a bit. Um, so wait, what were we just talking about? 
So yeah, have, have you felt that? Right, social media reflecting yeah. you. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I went that landmark seminar that I was talking about, I went to an advanced course. It was like an advanced leadership course, the next phase of it. And we went to LA to meet more like-minded people. And it was like another world there. And so you have very deep conversations with these people that you know for like three days. Um, and after you create groups and you meet these people. And a lot of them said they were very surprised with my Instagram because they were like, that doesn't reflect who you are. And I was like, well, I don't know like how to fully be myself because this the worst part is that like we can't really blame content creators for having this like false image of perfection because that's the thing that gets the views. That's the thing that gets the likes. When I post about like real shit that matters, I'll get like a hundred likes. When I post myself looking hot in like whatever with my makeup done, suddenly that's like 2000 likes. And so it reinforces this idea that like no one cares about what's going on in my head and everyone cares about the way I look. That's the thing, right? We're so, you know, trained now to just seek mm -hmm. out those likes. It's like they did a study. They compared um, the brain function and like um, response to getting a like, mm. comparing it to your response when you're on certain drug. And it was almost yes. like the same pathway got activated, right? Yeah. Like that same yeah. dopamine receptor. Like when you get it, like, it's like addicting, you chase it, but then it goes away and then if your next post isn't getting as much you mm -hmm. know you're not satisfied it's a really temporary yeah. thing so for you i know you talked about it in your podcast i listened to a lot of posts on youtube are you know these beauty hacks or makeup videos and they're great mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. those videos get views right and yeah, yeah. it just reinforces the idea that the way we look matters more than what we say and that's that's Instagram in a nutshell. And, mm -hmm. it, and you know what? It's on TikTok too. Don't get me wrong. Like the, the creators that you were talking about before who get huge, like 7 million followers, a lot of the times they're very, very attractive. And definitely. that's why all these people follow them. So it's it's like incorporated in every type of social media. But I think the way that we break that is posting more of who we really are. It's posting more of, you know, like you said, like me in my onesie or me without makeup or whatever. And it's showing people it's okay to be outside of that box. It's okay. You don't have to feign perfection all the time. It's, I mean, perfection is boring to be quite honest. It's I boring. I find Instagram boring. I'm like, I don't want to continuously see perfection. I want to see who you are. I want to see what you care about. Hey everyone. Thank you so much. If you've tuned in till this point, really hope that you've enjoyed the episode this far. That's the end of part one of my conversation with Umber. I really wanted to just make it two parts. I originally had planned a one hour interview with Umber, kind of a one hour podcast episode, but there was so much good content. We're like, let's, let's split it. Let's keep going. I don't want to stop the conversation. So the rest of it you can find in episode four of Zillennial Experience. All the information about Umber, our guest, will be in the show notes. You can find her social media click through there and you can find her tiktok and all other socials as well as our own through my instagram this episode my sister milu was not on it i just wanted to be conversation with myself and umber and the next episode is the same so stay tuned don't be uh don't forget to tune into the next episode and until next time peace out guys